Welcome to Can I Kick It? This is a podcast about film festivals. My name is Jesse Weber, and I'm joined by... Andy Germuga. Number one container store Stan Cullen Ashley. Emilio Diaz. Great. And I'm Kat. <laughs> <laughs> Very, <She> good. <laughs> Very good. Very yeah. good. Yeah. We have a guest we were going to introduce her, but she took care of that herself. Welcome yeah, to Kat. Thank you so much the way it could be done. <laughs> so much of the onus is off of us now. <laughs> we're just right into it. I was worried about what you were going to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so this week we are looking at a notable festival director uh, who um, has been around for a while. Uh, the Nicole Hall of Center. Center. Not, not yeah <laughs> i know her name don't worry about it yeah um, we're, li- we're live from the nicole hall of center <laughs> uh and we're going to talk about three of her films and the the theme we landed on for this one is just three the three of her films that played at tiff um yeah. she is like a festival film like i think all six of her films have premiered at festivals the Queen um, of Sundance. Yes. The, I mean, she yeah. is the Queen of Sundance, except we're talking about half of her movies today and none of them played at Sundance. So. Right. We're talking about the non, non-Sundance movies. Yeah. Perhaps we'll yeah. talk but about that. But that leaves the, the door open for the sequel. Someday, yes. <laughs> the prequel, um, might, some might say. I guess that's true. <laughs> yes. Uh, but yeah, we're going to talk about those three movies. They are uh, in order uh, Lovely and Amazing, uh, Enough Said, and then uh, The Land of Steady Habits. Um, what a crop. I just want to say quickly that I found this an interesting topic to pick because there aren't a lot of like Tiff E filmmakers because it's just right. it, historically it's mostly just been a, a festival that just like swallow, sort of swallows up movies from other festivals. So it's mm-hmm. like there isn't like a heavy identity, but like we've both, most of us have gone to Tiff except Cat. And like if we were to like, if I was to sort of drum up what I think a TIFF movie, quote unquote, is, it would be like sort of Nicole Hollow scenery of just like movies starring like sort of famous actors that are just like that. If you look at the poster, it's just like two white ladies talking to each other. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. And they- I would like I would say like a Just Mercy or like. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. a good. That's a TIFF movie. Like, uh, what's another whatever, one? Um, like a little more I mean, drama. I don't know. I feel like a TIFF movie is like 70% movies starring like someone like Liam Neeson wearing a windbreaker on the poster, if you know what I mean. I mean, yeah, (laughs) but it's also like, um, like when we did our preview a year ago now for 2020, we talked about King Richard and that feels like a perfect TIFF movie. movie. Like, cause like they're like big sort of the start of like award season kind of like, right. That's where, like, you'll get, you know, it's like the sort of, I mean, uh, you get your Jojo well, Rabbits okay, and so Green Books it, winning it goes, people's voice. Or it, people's so, yeah, I mean, the, the start of the festival season, it goes, like, Venice, Telluride, Tiff, and so, like, Venice, the way it has 
worked historically, which I think Tiv is actually trying to change a little, is that uh, Venice is where, like, the more sort of international stuff or stuff with a little more yeah. prestige sometimes will premiere. Uh, Telluride, you'll get uh, a lot of stuff that uh, is kind of premiering at the same time as Venice and, like, also also like more prestige stuff i think the telluride will also have like every year there's like two weird movies that premiere at telluride and then come out like nine months later and don't exist like uh norman the rise and what the fuck is it called yeah. the one with richard the rise yeah. the, the tragic Right, the right. moderate right. There's too many adjectives in the title. Yeah, yeah. we're never um, gonna remember. Uh, but anyway, and then Tiff tends to kind of be like, ah, eh, they sort of, you know, they they play those movies that have already played, uh, Telluride and Venice. But then the stuff that is left, like, premiering at Toronto, often is like, ah, eh, it's like a little less interesting, or it's like super crowd pleasy so it's something that they yeah. want to be seen with like a big audience i do think that i think in the like few years before the pandemic they were like kind of trying to change that perception like i think uh in 2018 they got the premieres of if beale street could talk widows and high life and that was kind of seen as like a, oh this is like this is really interesting yeah uh and then yeah uh and i think going forward they're hoping to become more of a premiere festival and i don't know what that will look like yeah I think I mentioned this a little on the last grab bag that like they're kind of shifting yeah. what they're doing. I think, and we'll obviously like talk more that Tiff year specifically, and like the sort of uh, right other grabs that they make when we sure. get to Land of City. House. I mean, yeah, like, yes. but should we start talking lovely and amazing? Wait, Cat, what's your history with Nicole Hollow Center? Oh my god, I think she's probably my favorite filmmaker because she just makes films about like quite difficult, unlikable women. And I think I'm a difficult, unlikable woman. <laughs> um, I love Lovely and Amazing. Um, it's probably, well, I really hate ranking films. I'm actually philosophically opposed to it. Um, but if I was going to do a ranking, this would be in there somewhere. Was it the first one you saw? What was the first one you saw? Oh, I think the first one I saw was Friends with Money. Okay. Mm. Which is not one that we're talking about today. So right. ignore that. <laughs> I mean, sure, no, it's fine. Um, yeah, I have only seen the ones that we're talking about today. I had seen, because I had seen Enough Said around that time, and I saw the Land of Steady Habits shortly after it premiered, and then I watch lovely and amazing and prep for this so those are the only ones i've seen and i also i do like her quite a bit um but to get started on lovely and amazing so this is her second feature right yeah. um and it's uh it premiered at telluride which we talked a little mm -hmm. bit and it played a bunch of festivals it played tiff 
uh, Tribeca and LA Film Festival. Which I like, think at that point, Tribeca and LA Film Festival were both fall festivals. Tribeca is now a fil- uh, spring festival. LA Film Festival was a spring festival, and now I'm not sure it exists anymore. Uh, yeah, it's not one you hear about a ton. Yeah. Um, yeah, it used to be like you'd get Sundance and then you'd get that would have a ton of movies and then South by Southwest and there'd be like a few movies that are kind of interesting and then Tribeca is like movies that didn't get into either of those festivals so like eh, there's maybe like one or two things that are interesting and then LA Film Festival was after that and just like there's (laughs) nothing left sure which is probably why they I want maybe they're back doing something in the fall. I can't remember. Obviously, whatever it is wouldn't have happened last year. Right. Um But yeah, I'm not really sure like like how like I I see in our notes that Ebert was really big on it immediately after Telluride yeah. and then it became like and, an indie spirits darling. Yeah. It's like cuz her first movie came out in like 96 and it took her like six years to get it made um and it got like bought out of sundance um and then this one you know 2001 is like a shorter sort of window i guess like by a little yeah i mean Um, she seems to make movies at a pretty slow pace which like i don't know how much of that is like a choice of like she wants to spend a bunch of time on scripts and how much is just like it's hard for women to get movies made because like i was thinking like feels like it's been a while since land of steady habits but then like it's not she did miss flesh she did right TV she, show, she, right yeah. and yeah, yeah that's the other thing is that she does she is uh, a very robust yeah, she does a lot of tv career. stuff yes. like some like yeah like miss fletcher which that was was that like her doing the whole she did the pilot, she did the pilot and was like more involved involved on that on like a producer right. level but like she also just I like so, directs yeah. episodes of whatever so yeah that's like another yeah. thing that probably contributes but what i was saying was that yeah like it's i was thinking like oh it's kind of been a while since she did a movie which was land of steady habits but like it has not been as long yet as it was between enough set and long of steady habits so yeah right then um but like she i was listening to a few interviews with her and she was talking about how she'll like she like takes these script jobs and like directing jobs mostly to like pay the bills and like when she has like her movies getting made like that is like you know obviously what she's focusing Mm on and like she wrote like i'm sure we'll get there like in the timeline but there's like stuff around land of study habits that she wrote and like she's writing something new that i think is gonna be great (laughs) but um yeah, and then, so, Lovely and Amazing, you know, uh, is Keener again. She's worked with Keener in all but Land of Steady Habits. And more, uh, Emily Mortimer, Brenda Blethyn, I th- yes. right, as the, the mom of everybody. And it's, like, this family of these women, and, like, their youngest of their family is, like, Brenda Blethyn's adopted daughter, um annie who's played by raven goodwin yeah and it's like i mean we don't need to talk about her movies that were not on this list here but like walking and talking is about 
these like two like lifelong friends and then like uh friends with money is like this group of friends and uh please give is just like a couple and like also sisters so it's like always these like up until land of steady habits it's always these like groups of like related women and um i don't know like how we want to get into lovely and amazing but it's mainly my least well, favorite kind of. oh no i was gonna say they're kind it's, of grouped but like enough said that is like dryface is the lead and a, there's just like other people around yeah here. that one is like where it sort right, of splits yeah. like um and I don't know, like, I don't know really how to explain, like, why I didn't vibe with Lily and Amazing. And I don't know if it's, like, if I'm being, like, unsympathetic to Hall of Center as a writer. Where, like, I feel like, you know, Please Given Friends with Money are observing these, like, upper middle class, like, ennui in a very, uh, like, astute way. <laughs> and, like, I feel it. And there's, like, humanism there. And lovely and amazing. I don't want to say it feels like tone deaf, but I was just like, this is like not as good. Like it's just not what I want from her, especially because like I watched well, I watched all of them for this. Uh, I had not seen any before like a week ago, and I was like, there's only six. They're all ninety minutes. Like what a gem of a director to do that. <laughs> um, and I watched Walking Talking, and I was like, this is like maybe the best movie I've ever seen. Yes, oh it's my God. so good. <laughs> Um, and then I watched Lovely Amazing. And I was just like, ah, oh, okay, <laughs> right, right. Let's go, let's go to the next one. And like went through them all. Um, but I just, I mean, like I think individually, like Keener is like always good, and I think Mortimer is very funny, especially the stuff with uh, I don't want to get his name wrong. Dermot, Dermot Mulroney. <laughs> Mulroney. Okay. Um, and like that sort of those relationships are funny but like the, the statutory rave stuff i didn't really like at all and um i feel like some of the stuff with the daughter and like the like big sister stuff feels that's where i'm like it's like the least uh well observed that like i think i've seen from her fully um well if i can but if any, yeah I, if i can argue for it i think um not to put words in your mouth but i do wonder if some of the more the people who don't like it as much maybe find these women to be almost too insecure to be in any way relatable because it, I think they're insecure to the point of frustration where you're just watching them and you kind of want to shake them a little bit and I think in her most of her other films there is either some kind of breakthrough or they are very misunderstood by the people around them and maybe in Lovely and Amazing there doesn't actually feel like there's necessarily any resolution because it yeah, ends with someone being arrested for statutory rape, so that's not a yeah, great just... <laughs> not a great climax. Yeah, I mean, well, that's like, Lovely and Amazing feels incredibly ambitious to me. Like, it feels like her being like, I'm really gonna like, take on a lot of stuff in this one. And I think like, and I, and, and but still maintain her like signature like characters talking like having fun dialogue like in in you know in suburban setting or like whatever like like it's it's definitely like still her milieu but i feel like she's getting and i obviously haven't seen the first so i don't know like how much it is a departure from that in terms of ambition but it does feel like i'm really gonna like look at a lot of stuff and i think like a lot of the stuff i do think 
feels well observed and like feel like the the distance from the characters i think is like it, like how much the movie is distanced from the characters i think is like a really inter- there's an interesting amount of tension there and i think it it moves around quite a bit um but yeah i mean there's yeah it's just like there's a lot of stuff and it's like wow i'm i'm really impressed that you're like going after all this stuff in in this in this movie that is often that is in like this that has in in this genre that i feel like is all, is often like seen as like not very thematically robust of like we're just going to have characters and their relationships yeah i mean it's like all of her movies i think land of study habits is like an exception because it's based on a novel and like everything that is sort of like not as hall of center e i can just like talk up to that but all the other ones are so much like uh they fit her style so much in my opinion and like the, one of the things that I love that she does and she like has it from the jump with walking talking is like the movies just sort of start and end and there's like no like she sort of foregoes like like for lack of a better word hacky like emotional catharsis scenes and just has it exist as it would like in real life and it's like extremely well observed I think in walking and talking um, and I, I just don't know like it's really like hard to pin down I think why lovely and amazing just didn't have it for me um i do think it's like i think there's like fun there and like she's obviously such a good writer that it is like a good movie and she gets good actors um and like i i think she for her whole career she worked with the same casting director who just like does a great job every time um but uh it, I don't know. It's just, it's weird. It's a really odd movie. Um, ambitious is a good word for it. Like, she is swinging for a lot. Hmm. That's a, I sort of get that, but I... It's sort of a movie where, as Kat was saying, like, there, you would sort of expect at some point for them to, for there to be, like, some sort of empathetic turn and for you to be like, oh, and then this ben is Mandel why they're like this, or this is why you should relate to them. And then it's just like, not, nah, no, they're just like the way they are the whole time and it ends and they're still basically the same people who are not very good. And it's like, I sort of really appreciate that and found it very funny I when it like comes to it sort of like hall of center and like non-conclusion I sort of found it I, I like just I started laughing because I just like because it, it was just funny to see a collection of people with almost no redeeming qualities is too harsh yeah right. ouch <laughs> but it's like there's no redemption attempted from the part of like the direction or the script. It's just like this is how what these people are, and they have their like upside and their downside, and sometimes their downsides will take them down like weird roads that might not lead to them feeling better about themselves. But you sort you do sort of get them by the end in a way that I appreciate. I really like Emily Mortimer in it. She's very funny. She has a sort of weird accent, but I enjoy that about her. Sure. I mean. <laughs> She's always getting these, like, English uh, actors to play American. Like, she does it with Bleth and Anne Mortimer in this and, like, Rebecca Hall and Please Give. And then the reverse, the shock of the century, when I found out yesterday that Tony Collette was Australian. Oh, yeah. She was Australian. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I think Mortimer's really funny. Like, she is, like, Mendelssohn, obviously, yes. Um the uh she's like the big 
favorite from the movie, I think, critically. Like, she was... She, she won, won the, the Spirit, Independent right? Spirit yeah. Award, yeah. And, like, it was nominated for a bunch that year, um, which, like, tracks for Hollow Center. Um, but, like, I, I mean, I think it's hard to... It really is, like... Because I, I don't disagree that, like, um, the sort of lack of conclude like we'll we'll talk about it with enough said but like there's a very clear like for lack of a better word like redemption arc like there's a very clear like i think it's here's the thing it's the fact that they don't really have a self-realization moment whereas in, right. yes, in something yes. like enough said which we'll get to she like acts really badly everyone calls her out she apologizes and that's like quite cathartic to watch but in something like lovely and amazing i mean you can I think you can kind of see why they are the way they are in that their mother is like having plastic surgery, like right. very yeah. invasive. And she, despite telling them they're lovely and amazing, they really don't seem to believe it because they've just internalized all of this self-critique from her yeah. their whole lives. But there's no moment where they kind of have that breakthrough or realize that they're like behaving badly. And also it, I think it doesn't help that quite a lot of other people also treat them really badly so <laughs> yeah they they basically get to be the victims the entire time yeah whereas yeah like in her other films there tends to be a moment so in walking and talking as well like they have a cathartic reuniting when and yeah. they actually like discuss their friendship but i think that's why i like lovely and amazing because quite often in life i don't think you just get these well scripted yeah. emotional breakthrough moments which are quite you know, satisfying to watch in a film, but I, I like the uncomfortableness of just not really watching anyone. Yeah, I'll, I'll say, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll say really quickly. This is a very accurate portrayal of having a very sarcastic family. Also, I'll, I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's so like the scene. There's a lot of good stuff around the scene where they go to the movie premiere, where everyone's like talking about like how Keener, like, could be in movies and everything. And then really what I love is when Warner like, tries to help the dog and, like, gets bit. And it's just, like, they do that. She does that again, I think, uh, in a different way in Please Give, which is, like, not to keep, like, talking about her other movies, but they're all, like, such of a piece in a way uh, where it's just, like, Catherine Keener has, like, so much, like, white and wealth guilt uh, <laughs> that she's like aggressively trying to give everything and she's like trying to give her leftovers to just this like like African American guy in the street and he's like I'm waiting in line for the restaurant and she's like oh my god and it's like the personal equivalent of like getting bit by a dog is just like your the egg is so much on your face there um, and I think like it's just a thing that she does really well of like giving these people sort of come up and in a way uh for like their <laughs> like aggressive good personhood like oh i'm gonna like rescue this dog because i rescue dogs and like i get bit by this like random pooch yeah i mean i also this is like sort of weird but i also sort of really like the like james lagro stuff where he's just like the worst boyfriend of all time <laughs> where he's just like well, he's just like but it, it i liked it because he's also s sort of accurate where he's just like you're so boring like we don't like each other we shouldn't be together and emily okay. mortimer is like just like i guess that's what relationships are i'm with this guy and he doesn't like me and we just have to stick to it well yeah and then keener's get 
is it Clark Gregg? Clark yeah. Gregg? Yeah, of course. The great Clark yeah. Gregg. And he, he's like cheating on her. <laughs> right. But then And also like hectoring her to get a job all the time because right. her like because her like little like wooden chairs or whatever won't <laughs> yes, sell he it makes the, so the miniatures. Oh, yes, so they're funny. so awful. And everyone's like, oh, what's these are nice. I, <laughs> I wish I wrote this down. There's like a scene where he like accidentally steps on it and she's like, fuck you. <laughs> right, yeah. And he's so it, funny. Right, and she's like, you did it on purpose. I know you did. He's like, yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. Like, yeah, you did. never complimented me. <laughs> And uh, then she's making really cool. a homemade wrapping paper also is the other big craft project she does. Like, Keener, I think, is, like, that character, I think, is really well realized in the, like, the the self-involved, like, search for, like, creative fulfillment, but, like, not having any idea of, like, what that is or what she wants to say in any way. Like, and just, like, being like, well, I'll do, I'll, I just do crafts and, like, I sh- would like to sell them at, at like tchotchke stores and like make fifty dollars yeah. a piece off of them and like yes. that's not gonna happen. Yeah, I mean yeah. it's funny because it's like she says she's making arts, but she's really making crafts, and right. I think <laughs> Kitsch. that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and there's like a late there's like a later where she's like making out with Jake Gyllenhaal in the car, and then he like steps on the wrapping paper, and then he's like, "Oh, this is like really good." I also that's found right. that very funny. <laughs> Right, and it's like the hottest thing anyone's ever said to her is when he's like, your wrapping paper is really good. (laughs) That relationship and all the Gyllenhaal stuff is like, it really like toes the line. Oh my god, it's Um, so insane when uh, he says she looks like his mum and then he says she's cute and she says, didn't you just say I look like your mum? And he's like, my mum's cute. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's really weird. (laughs) It's like, that is not how you flirt. Is that how you flirt? I'm getting it wrong. Yeah, I mean, it's like when she shows up to his house and she sort of looks like his mom. It's very... And then, right. It's like, we have like, to say dressing that bathroom, And he's like, don't say that. <laughs> and also, like, she shows up to his house, is greeted by his mom, and then just, like, continues to power through and wants to go see him. She's, like, 36 years old and wants to, like, hang out with this 17-year-old at his mom's yeah, house. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. She, his, he, he t- she tells her, like, oh, I'm a friend of what I forget the character's name. And her mom's right. just like, okay. <laughs> right. And then she takes him into his room, and then, like, he, like, shoves the mom out of the do- room or whatever. It's very, like, yeah. Yeah. It's also such, like, a funny, like, early 2000s teenager room. Like, all the posters. The, and the Papa Roach posters and stuff. Yeah. It's really good. <laughs> the, um, also, like, his, all the stuff at the, the one hour photo with um like the the other kids from his school sure. that are like bullying him right. and he's just like those guys are jerks like we're kidding though yeah weird so... power games over like whether he's looked at the naked pictures of their yeah. girlfriends it's yeah boy uh, yeah it's it, i mean it's just it's a really odd movie <laughs> <laughs> but i think it's and then especially like sorry go ahead. she's like basically frozen in time a bit it's like when she is trying to sell her kitschy little chairs and a friend of hers from high school comes in and i can't remember oh she says she's like a pediatrician or something right and she's like and keener's like how she's like how is that possible and she's like well i am 36 and keener's like yeah but we're not like 36 36 she's got this like own set of rules for the for where she needs to be in life so i guess she still thinks that she's a teenager deals with things yeah. in a very emotionally and, it, and it's way. like she's like weirdly excited about working at the one hour photo and making eight dollars <laughs> yeah. an hour right she says it so many times that she's making eight dollars an hour 
It's almost um, like a fun bit for it. Yeah. Yeah, that's like, yeah. Listen, that is like part of the thing of just like how much of it is just like this wealthy person who's just like, isn't it so novel? I've got a job. Like, <laughs> and how her husband thinks that he got a job despite her, just so that she could say she got a job. And I kind of believe him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because he's not. It's not like like Clark Greg is always like, you need to get a job, and it's not like he's like, you need to get a job because they have any sort of like financial problems. He's just like, you right. need to like, do something and <laughs> to get, get out your of life housing. together. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> Um, there's like a few weird bits um, the youngest sister who keeps doing the bit where she pretends she drowns is always funny I think <laughs> um, and everyone's like that's not cool and she just like keeps doing it um, and then the stuff with uh, Brenda Bleth and like the the surgery yeah we should talk like, about that. as an undercurrent I like don't know if it's like I hate to say it's not necessary because it's so, like, boring to say that as a criticism. But, like, it's just, like, not giving me, like, anything, really. I think, I think it's almost the opposite. It's a contrivance so that the other sisters actually have to, like, all hang out and be together and take care of Annie. Whereas before, they, like, didn't really want to acknowledge Annie's existence. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and I mean, like, she just keeps having more and more complications with the surgery, so yeah. she keeps have to, having to be in the hospital for a while. I mean, yeah, like, I guess it is, like, that character, I mean, you can see how she is the mother of these two daughters, right? Yeah. Like, because she's, like, so obsessed with, like, obviously she's, like, getting plastic surgery because she wants to, like, look a certain way. And also she has, like, adopted this young black girl uh, who, and she, like, and there's definitely, like, it's definitely throughout the movie that, like, she's doing that so people will tell her that she's like a good person more yeah. than anything else right and like yeah it, it's that character i think and then cullen you did mention the the like big sister thread of it all which i think like is really interesting cause, like in the way that there, she only gets like a couple of moments i feel like to like express like there, this is weird. Like, there's this. There, this yeah. is none yeah. of this doesn't feel right. In, I mean, that, that's another that's another scene I really like where she's like, yeah, I signed up the big sisters, and I thought I would get like a poor kid. I thought I would right. get like somebody on the wrong side yeah. of the tracks, and instead I got her. And this is just a weird right. dynamic. Yes, and I have to be like the black figure in this young black girl's life, like and be, like do all that for her, like. And she's like, yeah, I can't, I can't do it anymore. Like, it's it's not. That's not fair of you to ask me to do that. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, like, yeah, it's, like, the 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 mother that would do that. And I think, you know, like, and it is, because, like, because she does have two other adult daughters, and that she would do that, like, so late in life, I think it's, like, just, like, a fascinating character detail that, like, what she's doing now that her adult, her kids are grown and out of the house or whatever is, like... I'm gonna adopt a, 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 a I'm gonna adopt someone and be super altruistic about it or whatever. Yeah. What did you think of the bit where Emily Mortimer gets Dermot Mulroney to like critique her naked body? <laughs> it's a very what an insane. <laughs> I mean, it's very it's very good at, of from Mulroney's side where he's just like, "This is a trap. You're not gonna cop, catch me." <laughs> yeah, he's like, he's like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah, it's really fun. I mean, it's like a 
great performance by Mortimer, like, throughout, but that is sort of her shining scene, I think. Yeah. Um, and, it's really, like... And, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I mean, because, like, she's mentioned, like, being insecure. Like, obviously, like, they build up to it. She's mentioned being insecure about certain things leading up to yeah. it. She doesn't get the job because she hears because she wasn't hot enough or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I think the way that the sequence builds to her, like being like what about my upper arms and he's like they're fine and then she like wiggles them around and he's like oh yeah i see like what the problem is yeah. there, or whatever <laughs> like how like specific like she's oh. what specific notes she like knows that she he's gonna say and that she's looking for and like but like how weird she has to be to get him to get to get him to give them to her uh yeah it's a very interesting scene uh no i mean it's like a very good I think depiction of a lack of self-confidence where it's just like up, up another person being like, no, you're fine. And her being like, but have you thought about this though? And just like yeah. show it, show him a different part of her body. And, and he has to be like, listen, I don't know what you want me to, I guess it's like, there's some problems here. It's just very funny. It's also very funny to imagine him ad living all of that. <laughs> Cause it's so yeah. specific to her. <laughs> Yeah. They just turned on the camera and he was like, I guess one of your boobs is bigger than the other one. <laughs> yeah. And you're looking and you're like, yeah, it actually is. <laughs> Listen, yeah. I, I can't say that. But, uh. <laughs> <laughs> this is a whole new level of interest. <laughs> Yeah, Amelia, what did you think specifically of everything that was wrong with Emily Mortimer? You said you had a lot of notes, right? So, um, yeah, here we go. <laughs> Pull out the notepad. Yeah. Uh, no, but I, yeah, I just, li I, I like Mortimer a lot. I like her relationship with Mulroney. I think those are all very good threads. I sort of, I sort of agree with Colin that I think it's a little all over the place and some of it works more, uh, some of it works more than other things in it. But I don't know. I sort of like that in a movie. I sort of like a movie where some, some stuff is ju just isn't good, but it's just sort of like, it's, it exists in service of just like creating a mood and creating it and like a habit where all of these people can give interesting performances mm -hmm. moment to moment. Yeah. I think like she specifically does that thing so well. And I just think she does it. Like, I do think this movie is good, but she just does it better in every other movie. Basically. I think, uh, um, the last thing I would like to shout out about this movie is that it does like one of the one of the big scenes towards the end. It does take place in a McDonald's, uh, and it does have a lot of the uh, the early two thousands McDonald's aesthetics of the like the boxes and stuff. I thought was like really captured my attention for some reason, and I think it's cool. Man. And like it's, cause, I don't know, it's the the I wrote down the line how many nuggets are in a large is like what the guy asks when it cuts to inside of the McDonald's. Oh. And like that like that line really like struck out to me as, as funny for some reason. But uh yeah. Did, did McNuggets used to come in sizes as opposed to counts? I don't think so. I think that's like that was why it stuck yeah. out to me. It was because like that's not like a natural uh, thing yeah. for a person to ask. Yeah, I mean it's like it's like a, like a guy walking into McDonald's and never having been to a McDonald's ever in his life yeah. or hearing about McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> Special sauce, yeah. you said? <laughs> I guess I'll have a cheeseburger. <laughs> that bit's insane. Because the, the girl, Annie, goes in and she like orders like everything One on the menu. Yeah, right, but yeah. where yeah. the fuck does she get her money from? 
She's probably got like a charge card and is just like, oh my goodness, put it on my tab, Garson, <laughs> <laughs> McDonald's employee. <laughs> Yeah, the right, Mc- yeah, the McDonald's employee who like attends a like seven year old girl with no questions to like, the girl <laughs> yeah, says she wants one. Sure. She orders fifty dollars worth of McDonald's and he's like, no problem. Like here we go. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I feel like that is what the vast majority of people who work in uh, oh. Retail or yeah, fast yeah. food or food jobs yeah. would like, do. Sure, whatever. Like you got the money. I'm not yeah. gonna like. Let's just yeah. get this over. Yeah. It's like I'm seven. I'm 16 uh-huh. years old. I'm not gonna. I don't, they don't. They don't. They yeah. don't pay me to call CPS. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, do we want to move on? I'm ready. To so move. let's. We're sure. jumping through. We're going through friends with money, uh, and please give. And now we're in 2013 with Enough Said. Which was a TIFF premiere. Yeah. Yep. Under I mean, premiere. both both of these next two movies, uh, premiere. Enough Said, they, well, they premiere at TIFF, but also, like, they just come out, like, a week later. Yes, yeah. Like, Land of Steady Habits, I get, I'll just say that, like, that, that came out on Netflix, like, during TIFF, I yeah, think it was basically like before it had ended, and just like no one saw it because like why, oh, yeah. like there's an element, and like I will sometimes see Netflix movies at a festival just out of like, ah, oh, this might be the easiest way to see it in a theater. Yeah. But like, I don't think most people care about that. So like, it's a strange thing to do. Yeah. Uh, but but uh yeah enough said premiered under special presentations yep um was it is this also a fox searchlight it is fox searchlight yeah yes um and this like is sort of um you know keener is not one of the stars she's like uh a side character and she's like it's julia louis dreyfus and James Gandolfini in his second to last movie. It came out after he mm-hmm. passed away. Um, right. The only other one is The Drop, which rules. Um, but what? It's so good. <laughs> um, I don't know what that is. The <laughs> um, the Tom Hardy movie, it's The like, Drop. It's, it's like, like a Dennis yeah, Lehane. It's, like, it's, so yeah, it's like nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, it's it's really good. <laughs> um, the um, and it like got a pretty positive reaction, and like there was like a big yeah. critical. Or not maybe a big one, but there was like a critical surge, and there was like awards contention. Dreyfus yeah. got the Globe nom. Like everyone was talking about Gandolfini because it was like such a departure right. from Sopranos mm-hmm. and like everything like that yeah. that he'd done. And he ended up with a bunch of nominations too. He got like yeah. a SAG nom, and I think he won some critics' awards. And um, yeah, it, I, it, it's probably her most like. Her, her movie that had the most mainstream success probably right yeah i mean it's like i definitely remember it i wasn't really aware much like at the time when the yeah. other ones were coming out like i remember please give like i saw like oliver platt on like jimmy fallon when it like came out and he only talked about seeing the girl with the dragon tattoo <laughs> the swedish version um what a memory they were like this guy wrote these books and he died and like they're all coming out now because it was like such a big thing at the time and i was like a freshman in high school like oh this rules <laughs> um but uh yeah i like enough said like had like 
so much attention on right. it. I um, think like Julia Lou Dreyfus did like a pretty big press tour for it. I remember yeah. her being on like a lot of stuff at the time. Um, I mean, I knew I knew that Enough Said was a movie before I knew that Nicole Holliston was a director. I'll say that. Right. Yeah. That's probably true. Like I I I also like remember it coming out uh, when it came out. Um. So much so that I think it's I about... saw it in theaters. Well, yeah, you had seen it previously, right? I'd seen it in theaters, and then I, I'd seen it twice previously. I'd seen it in theaters. I watched it on DVD, I think, shortly after it came out on DVD at one point. Sure. Um, and then I rewatched it for this. So I've seen it three um, Nice. The, uh, and it's about a massage therapist mm-hmm. who uh, is divorced and has a daughter going off to college, and she starts dating, uh, like, a divorced... <laughs> television archivist uh, which is totally um, a real who, job uh, oh yeah God, the dream. who andy in the in the group dm was like this is my dream job um, and i was just like yeah man. i mean it looks like a good yeah. job and he it's like sure. a job with no he responsibility is, so yeah, yeah dream job right and he's like able to recite like saturday morning lineups from like any year you give him or whatever yes. so i love it yeah, and he's like <laughs> That'll make TV like Jack Benny. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they, he also has a daughter going off to college, so they like connect and start dating. And then there's a wrinkle. Right, and, yeah. At the same time, Julia Lee Drivers has also at the same party met Catherine Keener, who uh, she starts is a serving rich as a poet. Right, <laughs> right. She starts serving as a massage therapist client. Is, is, she's her client for a while, and then they become friends. And then, like, halfway through the movie, guess what? He's her ex-husband. James Gandolfini is Catherine Keener's ex-husband, you find out. Which, I feel like the marketing gave that away. Oh, it was hugely featured in the trailer, and then you only find out, like, 60 minutes into the film. It's really weird. Yeah. 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 I I mean, yeah, I I never watched the trailer, so I had no idea. And I was sort of surprised by it. Though it, at, at one point, like the fourth time, she had a conversation with Catherine Keener of like, "My husband was such a piece of shit. He was such yeah, a." They, I mean, they telegraphed. He, it he obvious, was such an idiot like... slob. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. He was always talking about gabagool. <laughs> <laughs> you ever see the show The Sopranos? He's a lot like that guy. <laughs> yeah, this guy was a dead ringer. Yeah, just not as nice. He um, saw some ducks. He cried all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he was always talking about DVD players. Um, this is all very specific season one Sopranos references. Right. Um, <laughs> Yeah, he had a horse named Piomai. Uh, oh, deep else? cut. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, we. Um, he would, but he yeah. would have these dream uh, sequences that were very long okay. and very metaphorical. Uh, <laughs> Keep going. Um, this is great. Yeah, we'll just do the. Int- <laughs> he was listening to uh, "Don't Stop Believing" and then it just stopped. Like the the record cut out. All right. Sorry, uh, God, anyway, spoilers. The- <laughs> <laughs> so why would movie, that be like- a criticism of it? <laughs> That his record player broke. <laughs> He's a terrible husband. Yes. Um, so yeah, the, I mean, the movie. The movie is like, it's really like about Julia Lee Dreyfus. It's like from her POV. Yeah. Um, yeah. She has like other friends. Like she's friends with Tony Collette and Ben Falcone. Uh, ben Falcone, secret MVP of the movie. He's yeah, so throwing straight. <laughs> He's like really Ben Falcone, <laughs> who I've previously called Melissa McCarthy's Clint Howard, is throwing absolute heat in this movie. I was shocked. Uh, I guess. He's 
fine. <laughs> he like you... every joke he like nails. I think he's there's like stuff later on where he's like, holy shit, like, and the way he's like, yeah, man, like to Toby Huss and James Gandolfini, right? He's such a worm. It's so funny. Um, yeah. Um. But yeah, and I, I mean, like, it's. I think it's Julie Lee Dreyfus is obviously like she's a extremely well regarded actress, like. She can't do a TV show without having an Emmy thrown her way. Well, she has like five um, Emmys at this point. Oh, yeah, More. All for New Adventures of Old Christine. <laughs> she only has one for New Adventures of Old Christine, sadly, which that should be her most awarded performance on TV because I think that's my favorite of her shows. And but anyway, your entire brand is unfortunately somebody who's seen all of the New Adventures of Old Christine. <laughs> yeah. She's Chris, she plays Christine Kimball Campbell. It's very funny. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> Yeah, we can go on a Sopranos yes. riff, but we can't go on a new adventure. <laughs> no <laughs> network riffs. Just, just wait till we get to the Sopranos riffs and land of steady habits. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, hey, look, CD Falcon, maybe. the other half of the show, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think like I think it's maybe my favorite Julia Lee Driver's performance in this movie. Like I think she's really, really wonderful in it. In like and plays and like has so much different stuff to play in it but like the the uh, the standout scene to me is the scene where she is caught by oh James Gandolfini and like the, she like makes a half-hearted attempt to try to play it off as like she's just realizing this now and like <laughs> really like gives that uh, that a bit of a sell and then like at a certain point he's like but you must have figured it out at some point and then she's yeah. like uh uh yes i did and like and like the way that that scene just plays out of i think it's just like a perfect acting yeah. moment of someone having been caught in a lie trying and like really testing the boundaries of like how fully caught are they going to be in it and I think yeah. it's just, like, a tremendous moment of filmmaking that is, like, very awkward, but, like, extremely yeah. well-observed. Where does this exist in relation to Veep? Was this during Veep, or...? Uh, Veep is, like, starts like right in 2012, in right? Yeah, because yeah. okay, uh-huh. yeah, so, yeah, she's doing a lot of what she does in Veep very well, which is, like, realizing something is very bad in the moment and just making a face, which is always very good. <laughs> <laughs> like, she has, like, a good conversation with Katherine Keener, which is, like, a little before that, where she, where she tries, she's, like, like, half-heartedly tries to defend Gandalfini and is, like, you know what? What I mean, somebody could like a guy like that, and then Catherine Keener just like says another cutting thing, and she's just like, "Yeah, ugh." And just, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when they're like out hiking, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's also the great moment where Gandolfini and Keener's daughter, like, she's like, "Oh, I want you to meet my daughter," and she just right, like, she hides behind a tree, <laughs> and then she so pretends funny. that she was just looking at the tree. Right, and she comes back and is like, "They're so tall." <laughs> <laughs> she was like, I wanted you to meet my daughter. Um, yeah, they're terrible, terrible yeah. daughter. Yeah, She's I mean, awful. Yeah. Well, so Played I... I, I listened, by Bono's daughter. Yeah, Eve Hewson. Um, mm-hmm. uh, all the kids, because it's also Tavi Gevinson, which is really funny right. casting. Um, but uh, there's I listened to an interview with Hall of Center about this, and she was like uh, talking about Eve Hewson 
And she was like, I wanted someone who was, like, a, a bitch, but you, like, don't hate her. You get it. <laughs> and she was like, and she did it, like, perfectly. She, like, plays the bitchiness. But also, like, by the end, she wins you over. And she's like, or at least she wins me over. She's like, I like Maybe. a bitch like I, that. And it's just very funny. How well, candidly. I don't know. I kind of, with that character... And maybe this is how I feel about the movie in general. I was kind of like, well, sure, I'm I'm as much of a snob as she is. And, like, I also don't have much social tact. But, like, in that first scene where, like, she uh, meets Julia Louis-Dreyfus, like, I, I wouldn't, I'm not, like, stupid enough to be that To keep going on about how Sarah like, Lawrence isn't on. as good as it used to yeah, be. Yeah, like, come on. No, like... Just no one is that obnoxious, I don't think. Well, oh, um, not so sure about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like, like a classic it's... thing, I think, of like, she had, like, she's like venturing out into the world of like having strong opinions. And it's like, this is a thing I can do. I guess. Right. And so she like heard someone say that opinion once and is like, yeah. I'm going to adopt this as my own. And like, really like Maybe, argue for it. I guess. Like, but like, I feel like you do that at like, 13 and not at 18 well yeah but there's also like uh, i think like other touches of that sort of behavior and like just there's like the random girl who like litters and julia Lou dreyfus is like pick that up and the girl like is affecting an accent and she's like you're not british like and just like calls her out yeah and she's just like, i was like that was just like what is happening I mean, but like I, five different things and then like five minutes later she's like what's up with that girl yeah. who is pretending to be british and her daughter's friend's like oh yeah she's always having three friends. yeah <laughs> the um this one i was like because i'm such a gandolfini fan and like i had been watching all the hollow centers i was like this one's such like easy money gonna be so great and its energy is so weird at the start with like yeah. Uh, all of, like, the humor in it at the beginning, I'm like, this is weirdly, like, so basic. Like, when they're making fun of the container store and, like, loud restaurants, and they're like, isn't Froyo so fucking crazy? <laughs> like, it's candy, but it's non-fat. They're Everyone's middle-aged, like, people. That's, I know, but like, that, that, that's, do. like, the point. It's, like, <laughs> that is, like, it. by the end, like, it just, I settled in. I was like, oh, that's just, like, <laughs> that's the way these people like are yeah like, it's, 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 like, it's, yeah, it's like, what i it's yeah. what i it's like a good movie about completely washed ass people it's just like yeah <laughs> horribly out of touch you were someone they're just like this is the most normal movie ever <laughs> <laughs> and it's like yeah these people are just like normal people with like very basic problems but they are movie stars like and that's what it is um, yeah i also I feel like the performances in it in general are, with the exception of Gandolfini, who's just like kind of like, yeah, that's what he does in a movie, what you would think he would do in a movie like this. Uh, other than that, they all feel like they're like a little like either off pitch or like a little too much. Like Keener, I feel like has given this kind of like she's not doing it all in Lovely and Amazing. I feel like she's started in the last like I guess five or ten years to like give this type of performance where she just like kind of seems like it she lives on another planet like and like it's great in Get Out but like in this it's like really I guess if she's like a rich poet who's totally I mean yeah that's like she's like who's like only other friend is Joni Mitchell Mitchell. yeah Yeah. (laughs) very it's like that is that person like yeah and like 
maybe I just like can't have any uh, reasonable uh, take on the Dreyfus character because she's just like too much like. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I. I said that I wasn't gonna complain about this, but now I am. That like that character would not let someone call her a masseuse. That's not the proper term for someone who is a licensed massage therapist. Because uh, like my mom is also a licensed massage therapist, and she she watched this movie like a few years ago and was like, "Yeah, it's pretty good, but like, why do they keep saying masseuse? Like, that's not right." Uh, and I don't know. It like so- I mean. It's kind of built into the character a little bit that, like, there's the whole, like, track thing. The whole thing you track is, like, the guy at the stairs, and she, like, refuses to ask for help at the stairs until, like, the very end when she's like, oh, will you help me? And then he's like, oh, yeah, no big deal, whatever. Like, maybe she'll be start to become more of that person after the end of the movie where she'll go. I guess. That bit's really funny because I have a friend training to become a licensed massage therapist, and I always talk about that scene with her because I just think it's so funny. And she said, but why would she want the person that she's giving the massage to to help her? (laughs) It was really funny. She was like, but you're there to make them feel comfortable. That's a good point. And I was like, like, right, okay. But yeah, I mean, guy... my, my mom deals with that issue by, like, avoiding taking her table anywhere whenever possible. <laughs> right. uh, which... That guy is really, like, making a whole to-do about it, just, like, drinking coffee at the top of the stairs, <laughs> like, really waiting good. for yeah. her. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's like, I mean, I enjoyed all these movies, and I think this one is especially because I just enjoy a good white people or aliens to me movie, where, it, where it's just, <laughs> yeah, uh, where it's just she's like, like trying to fire her maid, and you're like, oh man, so relatable. That, <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe that just is the problem is that uh, usually white people aren't aliens to me, and this one they are. Um, yeah, the the the. God, I forgot her name, but yeah, the maid firing weird bit is also very fun. Right. Well, yeah, where they like don't want to fire her because they don't want to be rude, right. but then she like, well, ben, she's like, doing... well, Ben Falcone is like trying to make Tony Collette do it because she is like uncomfortable with those sorts of things, and he's more comfortable with them, and he like wants right. it to be fair or whatever that she like learns how to do that, and then she tries to do it once, they both end up crying, so it doesn't stick. Yes. Yeah, and then she like quits by the end. Of the, the maid quits at the end of the movie after Tony Collette criticizes her like one too many times. No, I but honestly... she comes back at the end. She's like, yeah. The best yes. bit about the maid thing is that she actually does just put things in completely nonsensical places where yes. it would be so easy for Tony Collette just to, you know, have misplaced it or something. And even that does happen. With Julia Louis Dreyfus puts a ball in the wrong place and she fires the maid. But it is also just funny that the maid's just really bad at <laughs> knowing yeah. where things go. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, fa- and, like, the reason I sort of, like, don't mind everybody sort of being, like, so, like, weird, mean, and, like, obnoxious and sort of alien is because I think what the movie is sort of getting at, like, it doesn't have, like, a super concrete theme, which is good about it, but if I think if it has anything, it, like, has a good theme of, like, people will stop being an assholes if you just, like, confront them about it it's like mm-hmm. if you yeah. stop just being like passive aggressive weird about it then sure everybody's gonna be a weirdo dickhead but like when you own up to things then you're gonna be better about it yeah right i think if this film yeah. had a theme it, i mean i don't know but the empty nest thing feels most prevalent to me the fact that her daughter's leaving right. she doesn't really know how to deal with it so she befriends her daughter's best friend in like quite an inappropriate way and feels like she has to be in control in other ways so like right yeah i mean that's yeah yeah 
Right. It's like it's about like the second stage of adulthood or whatever, like after your kids are gone and like especially mm-hmm. when you're living in a world where like you you've divorced and so you don't even have like a relationship to necessarily fall back on uh-huh. and that stuff. Um yeah, the relationship with Tavi Evanson, I think we should talk about maybe for a second. Like it's so fascinating. I mean, it's just like she just like vibes with it like she just like is like i'm just really <laughs> yeah. gel with this kid like i really like her it's, having it's her around funny. and so she like goes to inappropriate places and like so much to is invite her to stay in her daughter's room after her daughter goes off to college the payoff, the payoff there with amy landecker is also so funny yes. <laughs> where she's just like you have a kid right like leave mine alone <laughs> <laughs> and then uh but yeah i mean it's it's very funny i think um it's weird that because in this interview that I listened to, she talks about Tavi Evanson and how she's like, <laughs> she just like auditioned and was good, like uh, because at that time, she's like, uh, I forget just, what her right like, is the editor of whatever her like fashion her blog magazine that, or whatever yeah, it she, is, because um, she was like such like w- talk about like a hyper specific like mi- early twenty ten celebrity of Tavi Evanson, but. Uh, I mean, who I yeah. guess is in the new Gossip Girl now, but um, sure. And she's like done like a ton of stage work, also like since right, this. Yes, right, yes, like she did. She did Morgan. This is our yeah. She did. This is our youth, and she's in person to person uh, that movie. Person yeah. to person, and she's yeah. good. I think she's a good actor. Yeah. She's yeah. really funny uh-huh. in this. Um, the scene where her and Landecker have the same dress on <laughs> is really funny, yes. and she's yes. like, "We both can't have it." And she's like, "We're not gonna wear it at the same time." <laughs> um, yeah, I mean it, the. Uh, yeah, and, the, like, I think the way that everyone sort of confronts that relationship, like, Dreyfus's daughter, it's just like, what are you doing? Like, this is not cool at all. And, yeah, like, the, the Landecker confrontation near the end is really, really funny. Um, I think my favorite performance is Gandolfini. Um, he's got such great moments, and, uh, like, in particular, like, the dinner where Dreyfus is drunk and just, like, completely annihilating him and he like you see like the tears like start welling up God, in his yeah. eyes it's like so heartbreaking I, so yeah. mean to him. I mean God. it's awful. when he it's says awful. I thought you liked me it's oh so my God. <laughs> I'm gonna get you a calorie book Jesus Christ that's the yeah when she's like uh, uh, she's like I'll get you a calorie book like as a joke and he just goes don't <laughs> and everyone's like yeah that's not a good idea <laughs> and Colette's even like ooh, ooh. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I like, and cause it's, you know, the sort of thing, like everything he's doing that Keener told her about is like now annoying her where he's like mushing around the guacamole to get rid of the, the onions, yeah. uh, onions. And she's like, you know how many calories it has? And he's like, no, it's guacamole. <laughs> he's like, I don't know. 10. <laughs> and he's like, I-, I guess I'll just eat the cheese. Um, but yeah. And then she's like, you don't know how to whisper. <laughs> And he's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, why bring this up now, like, at this dinner? And But, I mean, it leads to funny things. But I think his sort of, like, the way he withers, like, after that is really yeah, it's so spectacular. Real. Yeah. And, like, what he does just incredibly as an actor. Like, the way he plays emotion like that. Yeah. Um, I mean. The bottled. Yeah. And, I mean, yeah. he's also good, like, when he's just being charming. Like, when the, the little yeah. brunch is so nice. Well, I mean, yeah. All the bagels. Yeah. And then he's like, he's like, he exposes, he is exposed. Right. And, and yeah. then he turns around and is like, you like what you see? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Yeah. <laughs> and she says he looks healthy. <laughs> Such a yeah. funny line. I mean, yeah. Um, I remember at the time a lot of the conversation was about like the like the high conceptness of it all and like whether the movie like was able to pull off like that like high concept rom com like sitcom hijinks of a premise. But I really do think like especially Gandolfini, like especially Louis Dreyfus, like they really sell it so real, I think, that like it's like yeah. I think it really like the the conceptiness of it all and like doesn't really bother me at all in this movie and i um yeah, yeah it's I, th- I think it's really well done yeah it's like pretty well realized for a movie that has a like but you ask two girls at, a, at to the prom as yeah. present <laughs> premise yeah but it's like yeah. good julia's very good she makes a lot of good faces she's like f- yes. 15 yeah, great there's, faces <laughs> there's the um i really like the toby huss stuff like, yes and when they're at the dinner Always so good and he orders the bread right and she's like no one wants bread he's like let's do a bread check it's like such the like petty argumentative like broken up couple who are at this restaurant together right and then their moment uh, dropping like, her off at the airport is the, so the dropping off the airport is so sweet it's so good it made me cry where yeah oh. uh and like hollow center talks about that like i i keep referring just back to this one interview but she uh she's like that moment is like these people do hate each other like you hate your ex but like still that's like your kid like you are the only two people who have this relationship to this person right and like that is something that you can't like get rid of like you have you have that like um and then there's like you know talking about sort of the grander theme of the movie there was a thing that she said that i really was like that's just so genius and i'm like of course like after she says it She's like, can you, like, cut that out of the interview? Um, but she's like, are we all jerks and losers? Yeah, until we find someone that loves the thing ab- about us that transcends the jerk and the loser. And it's like, at the end of the movie, he's like, you know, I got these night tables that we talked about. <laughs> she's like, really? He's like, no. <laughs> and it's, like, so perfect. Yeah. I'm just like, you asshole. I mean, I want to like go- earlier when he says that he weaves and she's like, oh, really? Yes, and yeah, he's like, yeah. no. <laughs> Why would you it's think like, I how would, would I that? weave? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, to back to the Toby Hush, like, dinner scene, that seems so good because it's just, like, the perfect, like, example of, like, her being a little more broken up about it than he is. Like, he is sort of, it's, like, a little more moved on. It's just like, yeah, you know, some, pe- some people just can't be together. And then, and then Falcone and the other, like, oh, did you, did you yeah. hear that? And it's like, what are you talking about? The- <laughs> The sort of like passive aggressive <laughs> Colette keep on talking about her next marriage, and he's like, "We are together still." <laughs> yeah, and she's just like, "Yeah, for my next marriage, I'd love to marry a guy like this." And he's like, "Next marriage." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then he does it back to her at the later dinner when he's like, "I'd love to be with someone who cares a little bit more about history." <laughs> and she's just like, "What are you talking about?" It's like such a very Falcone thrown heat. Yeah. You can't uh, my favorite Colette line is just the little tossed off thing where she's like sends the kids away and she's like go watch tv no cleveland show and then that's <laughs> such a weird specific. and then yeah. they're like please and then she's like fine <laughs> yeah cleveland no show. cleveland show is so funny <laughs> yeah, I, which like feels so realistic of like yeah i was allowed yeah. to watch simpsons but not king of the hill for some reason like because of like one okay. episode or something yeah that's an anti-southern agenda but mm-hmm. go off i mean it's like like yeah with the tally Gevinson and the uh, throw yourself it's a very 13 2013 ass movie and i really yeah, appreciate I mean, really. it for it mm. yeah 
Yeah, no Cleveland shit. That's really funny. <laughs> the Colette stuff with like her th- therapy and Dreyfus is always like your lights on. Like, right? They Skype really, all yeah. the time. <laughs> the yeah. most HBS um, Skype of all time. I know, really. Yeah. There are so yeah. many bad therapists in Hall of Cinema movies. Like every yeah. single one has a terrible therapist in it. <laughs> Walking right. and talking, there are like three. <laughs> well, yeah, because like Anne Hay is just like tr- training to be one. And she is like, can I have sex with my clients? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, and then, uh, and then oh, yeah, Keita's like, should I be doing that? Keita's got a bad one because she, like, basically kind of breaks up with her therapist. Then two weeks later, she's like, actually, I do need therapy. And he's like, oh, sorry, I already filled your slot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then Tony Collette's just full-on breaking doctor-patient confidentiality yeah. <laughs> and that happens in the next movie too that we're going to talk about yeah <laughs> and but just yeah, like yeah. did Holofs and I have a bad relationship with her therapist what's going on yeah That's I mean all of her movies are so like it's hard to not draw the line of like how personal is, is this where it's like this is her first or maybe uh it's please give that's like her first post-divorce movie where she's like now dating her editor yeah maybe I don't know it's it, they all sort of seem to have the like the like take of like well it's better if people just said the things they were thinking to each other and and i guess there's maybe like a take where you could describe like derive from that of like maybe like talking to a therapist about it it's sort of like going around it rather than confronting your problems but i don't know it's it is sort of a weird relationship but yeah i mean my last favorite line from it when Catherine Keene is like, I have no friends, and then you literally drive face is like, you have me and Joni Mitchell. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we all? Yes. Yeah. It's so funny. Also, I think uh, the last thing I will say is Jessica St. Clair is also really funny. It's like, uh, I mean, yeah, that's uh, the thing. She always has comedians in it. Yeah. Manzoukas is in Please Give. Um, What's his name from yeah. 30 Rock? Is in Lovely and Amazing. Yeah, I mean, because it's St. Oh, uh, it Clair and Scott Drysdale, right? It's like they show up at... Right, yeah. No, uh, that's that's uh, Drysdale yeah, and Heather Burns. Yeah. Right, yeah. St. Clair is one of the... Oh, yeah, yeah. Clients, yeah. The one who keeps talking. Hey, they all keep talking, if you ask me. All right. If we ask you... We, um, we moving on? Yes, yes. Her last... Her most recent movie. Yes. Hopefully not her last. She should have made like 15 movies is the thing. Like I agree. And they should all I be could... like this. Right. Exactly. Yeah, I could watch these. Forever. Yeah. And it's like interesting because it comes out obviously the same year as Can You Ever Forgive Me, which she wrote and was supposed right. to direct. It was, yeah, going right. to be, she was going to direct and it was going to be Julianne Moore right. instead of yes. Melissa McCarthy. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh, and then it like fell through and which, I forget who it got was like first. which is I'd yeah. almost say it's weird because Melissa McCarthy feels very Hall of Centery. I guess yeah, there's also the Falcone connection, but yeah, she 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 is sort of in her, her she sort of reads to me more of in her wheelhouse than Moore, but maybe that was the studio thing. Maybe I mean Moore I could see being like not a like budget Catherine Keener, but like that <laughs> vibe, just like. A little bit. I mean, Everyone's a budget Catherine Keener. Yeah, yeah I guess more that's has true. a yeah. more has a kind of Keener. Um, yes, I think that's. Right. She can play like, you know, like waspy vibes for like right. lack of a better word. Uh, which is kind of like, Keener is more obvious for that role than more. I think. Yeah, I mean, Keener as Lee Israel is an interesting call. Yeah. But then it's um, why can't I think of her name? Who directed it instead? 
Mariel Heller. Yes, Mariel Heller. She directs it, and um, Holland Center gets her a only lot Oscar of, nomination. Yeah, she gets nominated for an Oscar. She wins the Independent Spirit Award for screenplay that year. Mm-hmm. Um, What's her relationship with the screen? Like, did she like come out of the Spirit Awards and give a speech? I believe okay. so. I think so. There's like a YouTube. Although video. it was a situation where she had like been fired off the movie, and yeah, that's what I was curious about. Like, I was, yeah, okay, right, yes. Um, but this premiered at TIFF 2018, Land of Steady Habits, uh, yep. based on a book, um, and it played under their gala section that year, which had all the big ones like Stars Born. Uh, you know, was that High Life also? Right, yeah, the we talked widows. about the one where they, the weird, they put High Life yeah. in it, and it seemed a disaster. Oh, and uh, First Man, like, video. all these big, sort of, like, right. Oscar-y movies, and, like... But there's always stuff in galas that's, like, well, no one knows what this movie is, but it has famous actors in it, yeah. and they'll come. Right, and because they do, like, uh, one and, a like, day, right? like, the old right? people will like it, yes. Yeah. Maybe even more. I feel like there's like 20 galas. And this is a tip that the four of us were at, and none of us saw it there. And I remember I was going to see it, but the reception at the time, everyone hated it. Everyone was like, this sucks. And I don't know if everyone hated it. It was more just like, ah, this is kind of nuts. Yeah, this is what I I was quite surprised when I watched it, because I think I put off watching it for quite a while because of that. It just seemed that everyone thought it was Mm -hmm. just a classic white man midlife crisis movie which I really don't think it is I don't think so yeah yeah. Um, but and th- what a mistake on my part because it's incredible it's <laughs> my second favorite Holland Center <laughs> yeah I like it better than enough said definitely. it's so good and it's like I don't know how much of it is like I love like a cold like <laughs> yeah blue Christmas movie <laughs> like I love like everyone being tense around christmas time it's such like a great vibe um that i just was like the whole time i was watching i was like yep this is good this is also good this scene's great this performance (laughs) is great the kid from project x is like great in this (laughs) i mean part of it i think is also just like mendelssohn is such an incredible actor and it's so nice to see him not playing a villain in a 200 million dollar movie yeah he's like (laughs) He's so, I mean, you got Ben Mendelsohn made of rock going around Connecticut just slaying wood across town. <laughs> and everyone is, like, obsessed with this guy. It's so funny. And then, like, he smokes PCP with these teens. And everything goes downhill from there. It's such a wild movie. Yeah. Yeah, this movie is, like, really crazy on a plot level. Like, why does half of it happen? Like, yeah. the stuff with the... The drug, which is, the drug addicted teen that he's friends with, right? Which is weird because, like, it is on a plot level. This movie is like so much is happening, but like, I think the performances are much more grounded yeah. in this than they are in enough. I, it's like, I mean, I don't like the kid. I, 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 I <laughs> yeah, oh, the, the drug, the drug addict kid, kid, I think, is a problem in this movie. Yeah, this is. I, 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 I think, I think he's like, fine. Yeah. I think that plot. That entire plot thing just reads super weird and not very good to me. Yeah. What it is, it's like... No, it makes sense It's me. just it, clearly I, such a novel plot line. Right. Like, I could see, like, reading this book that's, like, some sort of, like, 
Joshua Ferris ass like New York Times bestseller uh, with like this sort of all these plot lines that read in a book or like that track in a book rather and in a movie like I could see people bristling against it but like I think it just works so well because like Jesse's saying like everyone is just so grounded like everyone plays it so okay. well yeah you know I think that the plot line with the drug kid is like that is what makes the movie click into place is that basically it's this movie about this guy who just like is basically a nihilist and like but like he's not evil and so he kind of just that because like the care there's not like a clear moment where the character changes but he does seem to come to this realization of like uh, i can like be this guy without like letting uh grievous like letting people like literally die and like letting grief like i think it really works are you saying that the ben mendelson character you think he's a nihilist yes. oh, right i really yeah i really didn't get that from it i thought he was such a hopeful character actually which is what i really liked about it in that Oh, yeah, it just seemed to me that everyone else really hates that he seems to be having a good time being divorced and jobless. And he's like so yeah. enthusiastic no, about his... I don't think he really is having Well, I think he is. Time. He's just like doing it in such a repressed way. Like he, he feels Maybe. like he's not allowed to express contentment. Like it's almost like everyone else is projecting their depression onto him. Like, yeah. it's like when he's living in the hotel room and his son comes and visits him and he's like, this is so depressing. And he's just like... Oh, yeah, uh, I don't think he's depressed. I think he just, like... Like, I, 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 I identify with the character a lot. It's more just like, oh, he doesn't, like, give a shit. Like, I, yeah, I definitely I think, think that, but I a, think in more of I an optimistic way. A, I, I don't think it's in an optimistic way. I think it's in, like, a uh, nothing really matters. Way. I don't know. I, 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 when I watched it, I for sure had the feeling of, like, if this guy just li moved to, like, Brooklyn, he'd be, like, the coolest person to ever <laughs> be. But since he lives in, like, weird, like, suburban Connecticut, everybody is on his weird case. And, and it's just, like, I don't know. I enjoyed the movie, but it, I think it's, like, the least my least favorite of the ones I saw because I just had a weird time of it. I think, like, what maybe you, like, uh, Colin and Jesse were talking about is, like, the other two movies are maybe more grounded on like a plot level and then like insane on a performance level yeah. and this movie is like more insane on a plot level and more grounded on yeah, a performance exactly level and right. i prefer prefer the former a lot more than the latter i don't think i have an inherent preference between those two things i think those two things can entirely work it, but like in this case uh the the bizarre plot with the grounded performances worked better for me like i think and i think it's just because like the the performances in the other movies are like out there in a way that like is like fun and fine but like not really on my wavelength yeah maybe i don't know it's just like i don't know the drug stuff rang a little like she read a book about kids who do drug once and like doesn't know any of these people and i'm just like i'm just like like four kids smoking pcp outside of like their parents like who are like holiday parties. who are these kids i mean that's like rich 
like Connecticut yeah. kids who like like uh-huh. I know that a hundred percent. Like I was worried that it would be that. Like, but I think it is just her thing of like she's able to take these extreme sort of like wacky things and make them just so like humanist and I think it doesn't feel like uh like I don't know if it's the most like acutely observed but I don't think it is like uh like missing the mark at all like I feel like she handles that stuff really well um and I think especially like with the way like the sort of addiction through line with the Thomas Mann character and like Mm -hmm. his uh like with alcohol and with gambling is like so well done and sort of crescendos in this moment that is so rare for her where she uses a needle drop and plays which I know what you're gonna say (laughs) I, I mean, you, you do know what I'm. Gonna I mean, we say. all know it's so, the inherent vice song. She plays the inherent vice yes, song. You, yeah. So like, <laughs> okay, it, it's a bad idea to use the inherent vice song four years later. But I'm willing to be like, ah, eh, that's not like that an important movie to her, so she didn't really remember or whatever. I uh, don't think it's that bad of an idea. I think anyone can use any song. Like, you do have to have that like, like as an as. I maybe. think there's. I think there's a few where it doesn't work. Like the, this, it's not as bad as this. The really bad one is when that terrible movie American Animals used Hurdy Gurdy Man. Uh, that one is just like no, you can't. No, you can't use that song anymore. That's yeah. the Zodiac song. I don't think that's the case in this. I'm like, okay, I I certainly wouldn't do it. It's a little, but also on its own, I'm just like this. Like doesn't with the vibe no, of the movie. I think it works so well. I loved it so much. <laughs> of just like, especially of like how jarring it is for her. Like she doesn't really, like in uh, Walking and Talking, it's like sort of scored by music in a way. It's not like needle dropping. Mm-hmm. But this one, it hit and I was like, holy shit. Yeah, I can, this is so I watched it with Colin yeah, and I, I can't mean, confirm. He did audibly say like, holy cow, this is crazy. And I like did not understand what he found so crazy because I thought it was- I mean, you're scene. right that jarring <laughs> is the right word. But in a good way, in a way that I was like, no, <laughs> fuck yeah, Nicole. Way, I think. Go yeah, I, I mean, it's like, um, yeah, I'm sort of like in the Jesse camp of like, I'm not gonna blame her. She like again, Inherent Vice is probably not a movie she cares about that much. She probably thought this is a fine song to use, and maybe mm-hmm. like in a world where I hadn't seen Inherent Vice, maybe I would be like, yeah, that's a good song to use here. But in a world after I saw Inherent Vice, I'm like, that's the Inherent Vice song, and that's all I can think about. <laughs> I mean, no, I think even in the world where I haven't seen Inherent Vice, I'm like, this is weird. Yeah, I love it. I think uh, it's supposed but, to be getting at like, some like is... weird like, is this sad or is he just like drinking and doing his thing or whatever i think i guess but also i'm just like this song just like doesn't fit in this environment it's very 70s all. i guess this is the scene where he like gets the big champagne out of the box right and then takes well yeah he's like doing uh-huh. delivery but then like pulls over and he's like oh shit and he like well, his car opens the down, trunk right? and or... yeah and he like he he like props the trunk up and then just takes it out and that's how he discovers the the dead body um, yeah, I mean, and I think like to go back to the sort of like whether or not 
Mendelssohn is <laughs> optimistic or not. I keep going, like, I was thinking about it, and I keep going back to the Christmas decorations. <laughs> right. He's just and, like, so, he loves them so much. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's, like, such a thing of, like, he is, like, it's Christmas. Like, I'm going to put up these decorations, and everyone's, like, telling him that they're shitty or, like, too gaudy. And he's like, no. Like, yeah, but then if you like Christmas. look at his ex-wife's actual Christmas party, it's so soulless, even though she's got yeah, this amazing... Yeah, it's like very like, modern. Like, yeah. yeah, like there's basically no real attention to detail on the house. Like it's not at all filmed in a like admiring way. Like you really don't notice yeah. it at all. It's just in the background, which is why I think that it is optimistic because he is just, he is, so, he finds that life to be so desaturated and he's like there's got to be something better that's why i've like divorced my wife and left my job suddenly and no one understands my decisions but i'm like holding on to the hope that i'm gonna find meaning even if i don't currently have it right i mean i guess that's the other thing is like it makes like i guess the reason that he still lives there is that his son is there but like he needs to go live somewhere yeah. else because everyone well, hates I mean, him for no reason <laughs> that's it well the well everyone hates him but also like if he wants to get out of this like life with this weird mm. vibes then like uh go you can't just like go move down I mean, well, that's especially if he's he unemployed <laughs> he hasn't fully yeah. let go like he's still got the lease on the house and right. he's like stopped making payments on it right. and, like when bill right. camp offers to buy him out like refuses it right like I, that right. i think that thread i think is really interesting uh in, in the yeah of his like where how he you know i think you know it shows in it so, some of the son's behavior sort of manifests similarly right where he like with the gambling and like him with the mortgage is sort of the same thing i feel like yeah um mm. and then also it's just like yeah is he is he holding on to this old life and these old friends and these old relationships that he like needs to move beyond and he has he doesn't know how to do that yet he just knows what he doesn't want but he doesn't know what he wants yet yeah he wants and that's why he's like waving basket for his mantelpiece (laughs) yeah he's like maybe i'll go buy towels and like have sex with this lady he's like maybe i'll buy this weird lobster basket he's like and then have sex with this lady oh my god yeah the bit where she's like you could just buy a cup for your toothbrushes and he's like no i need something better that's not what he says he's like he's like i'm going to the dentist soon (laughs) (laughs) i mean he's like that's self-emancipation he's like He's so like charming and like, I yeah I think he is like he's having a lot of fun, <laughs> and because then like, the friend I think it's Josh Pace is the actor's name, who's like yeah. the friend who he goes to the strip club with is like obviously so much sadder than he is, uh, where he's like, yeah. uh, he get he's like in the bathroom and hears Connie Britton like throwing up and has that moment, <laughs> um. And then he comes out, and the guy's like, yeah, he's, like, upstairs, like. And then they're, like, sitting in the parking lot with, like, the mini bottles of Jack Daniels, like, watching everyone get picked up. It's so, there's so many, like, touches like that um, that are really, really great. Uh, The scene, I mean, I I think Falco is really good in it. Yes. Um, Oh, yeah, she's, like, always good. Yeah, yeah. Um, The, her relationship with Elizabeth Marvel is really good, especially the scene where she brings her Dunkin' Donuts, I think is really funny. (laughs) Mm -hmm, Um, With, it's only glazed and chocolate glaze that she brings, and that really made me annoyed. If you're getting an assorted box, you should get some more variety. Is it glazed? They're like, or maybe they're just cake, yeah. Yeah, they're cake. It's like three regular cake donuts and three glazed chocolate donuts or whatever, and it's like, yeah. Yeah. Spice it up Um, a little bit. 
Yeah. Maybe. See, uh, she doesn't know I how really... to have a good time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. It's like, uh, I, I get, like, cookies for everybody, and they're all oatmeal and, like, <laughs> It's like, what are you doing? <laughs> get chocolate chip, mom. <laughs> but the, um, the, yeah, I think the way that, like, the sort of revelation of, like, the guy who's, like, your son, like, stole this money from me. Yes. And the, the way she, like, fires him is, like, really well handled i, I think, I like think that scene to... is very good because i think that's like i think he the, 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 their son i don't know the actor's name thomas, thomas man he, he yeah. gives a very good performance of somebody who's just like yeah who's somebody who is actually like sort of sad and in like a bad way where he's just like yeah i need like tell me fire me like treat me poorly I, yeah. I am doing a bad thing i need you to just give up on me this is the thing i want and it's just like continues to act right. sort of self-destructively in a way that yeah that i did find very interesting and compelling right yeah yeah um, he's really good i think his scene with um elizabeth marvel where he's doing the delivery to her place too yeah, is that's also good. like really really good where she's like mm-hmm. clearly has had several glasses of wine and is like <laughs> right. being motherly to him in ways that like maybe she couldn't always be with her son because he like had so many yeah problems. even though like he has had obviously like some similar issues if not exactly yeah. the same as her own son. i mean her, his entire like delivery supply is very good like when he goes to like his old like school friend's house and he's just like yes yeah and the guy's he's like, like very yeah. rich but i forget what the job is but he's like he's do you LEDs. like that yeah he, he works, <laughs> he works like, in it's LEDs. a living like, <laughs> it pays for the house <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah and then he's like does it feel like your style is he also the guy who's like i have non-alcoholic alcohol or whatever yes. yes yeah he's like i know you're like having problems like i have non alcohol. well no he first offers him a beer and then he's like oh wait yeah right you had those problems i got non-alcoholic beer too um which is exactly how like someone is who is sober wants that yeah. to be brought up yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was like, I was surprised by how good Man was because he's the titular me in Me and Earl and the Dying sure. Girl. He's Project like X. That... Oh, he's Project X. Yeah. Okay. Did you see Me and Earl and the yeah, Dying Girl? Like... Yeah, in 2015. Sure. I... Yeah, in 2015, I was. I read the book. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, is he like? done much since not this? really i think he was in a tv show recently i could be wrong maybe um, uh i think he's good i, I think he's really good in this yeah um, i mean that's what i think he might give he's my oh, he's made my favorite in, plot line i don't know if he's my favorite performer i like marvel a lot in terms of the performances yeah i mean marvel's great i think that last scene at when middleson comes back um to the like christmas dinner he's like i got gifts and then they have like the big confrontation where he puts the fucking cigar <laughs> out on his forehead. Yeah, the best, like, so crazy. this man has simmering rage casting that you'll ever get is Michael Gaston for a role. Yeah, true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's such a crazy thing where he just, like, jams the cigar right. in his And then forehead. he just has a mark of Cain for the end of the yeah. movie. It's like, oh, uh, I get it. What is that? Oh, my God. The <laughs> bit I love is when loose. he goes to the shop afterwards and there's, like, an Indian woman. And it's like, no yeah. one, they don't even focus on him or comment. It just kind of happens. And I just think yeah, that's so he funny. Like, he, like, <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, the things that Thomas Mann has done is he's, like, 15th build in the Disney Plus Lady in the He's Tramp the human movie. in it. 
Uh, one of them. Okay, yeah. and he's in sure. an episode of the the Moonbase Eight show right. that uh, John C. Riley and Tim Hagecker and Fred Armisen did. Yeah, I mean, and he's like, got some upcoming projects too. He's, he's got some. Stuff. Yeah, he's got some stuff coming up. Oh, he's playing John Kennedy Tool, the guy who wrote uh, what's it Confederacy called? Confederacy of Dunces. Yes. Yeah, that's weird. Um, yeah. Uh, and he also wrote else? that. Terrence Davies movie, like the the Neon Bible is based on oh, yes. uh, one yes, of his of books, course. which is really insane. Um, mm-hmm. The uh, there's like a lot of little moments I love in this, and there's like an interesting through line between this and Enough Said of like parents being friends with the kids yes. that aren't their kids. Right. Where it's like when he goes to the therapist in this, and he's like, "You were hanging out with the kids, like why?" And then like at the end, they also do that a bit. Um, and, I uh, mean, yeah, it's like this, the other side. Like enough said, is they're sending him off to college, and then yeah, Lambda said he happens is like they came back from college and like are still living at home. Like, yeah, the uh, I mean, one of like I said this on Letterbox that like the scene of Thomas Maine just like eating cheese at his dad's house because there's nothing else there. It's like I said, it was like looking in a mirror. It's like I've a hundred percent just been like, I guess I I literally have to eat something, and there's only <laughs> like prepackaged. Jeez, the uh, I I do really think like not to go back back to it, but the um, the scene with him and with Middleson and the character the the Charlie I think his name is um, on the boat um, is really good, Uh, and I think it's filmed really interestingly. There's like I don't know if it's like a different camera or something, but like when they first come in, their face like almost hits the lens it's like they're so close up to it right um and then like the scene of them just like going back and forth it's lit really interestingly i thought it was like gorgeous like i will say now that you've brought uh, that that does remind me that one thing that it's in this a little bit but was more noticeable for me and enough said is like the way she shoots coverage is weird to me like it's specifically like she will shoot coverage so that like in both shots you can clearly see both of the actors faces so it'll just be like she'll go from one angle to another and they'll just be like obviously making a different face uh which that's like just like that's a thing that just like is a thing that generally bothers me of like if if you're like just don't do coverage if that's how it's gonna look yeah uh you can just do two shots yeah um i don't know i think in in the micro like not to uh, bring back the like talk about the drug kit again but it's like it's i'm just trying to figure out what my problem with it and i just it's just like it feels like obviously like colin jokes like she's the queen of sundance but all of her movies I don't know. That feels like the Sundanciest plotline of all time to me. Of just like, oh, well, here's like this sort of like weird drug kid who's gonna teach me a lesson. Like, if by the end, if by the end he, he had just like woken up and realized that that kid was a ghost, I'd be like, yeah, that's how that was played. It's just like this kid is another <laughs> person. It was. It just. This just exists as, as like a character to move, uh, 
to move Mendelssohn forward rather than a character in his own right. I feel like he's. I feel like that plot line exists, sort of just for, for his me, benefit. It's. Um, I find that I don't even mind the kid so much as the fact that he dies. Obviously, if it's based on a book that I haven't mm-hmm. read, I yeah, I don't know how closely she stuck to it. But I was just like, yeah. it almost felt like. I mean, maybe this is just because I'm coming from the perspective of thinking like he's an like optimistic person and like everyone's being like un- unjustly mean to him. But it felt like it kind of ended with him just being to blame for something, or like it was like the natural end point of his actions or something. I- it just felt kind of weird to me. So I kind of wish the kid. Well, didn't yeah, die. I mean that's why it works better for me, I guess, from the perspective of that I'm coming from is like, yeah, this guy has just decided that nothing matters. So of course, if he just like goes around just like doing shit because he's like, whatever, this seems like a thing to do, then like, yeah, someone might just like die. Yeah, but again, yeah. I feel like that's something that that's something I've seen like a million times. Like I feel that that feels like um, got mid nineties-y to me of just like, well, if you hang out with the wrong, somebody's gonna get hurt if you don't act like the way you should. I don't think it's like that. I, I don't think that's mid nineties catching strays. What they <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is the same year as like with I've not seen either of these movies um, of like Beautiful Boy and Ben. Yeah, is it bad, also it also I think covers it also did not ground. help that when I saw the drug kid for the first time, I was like, ah. One year later, that would have been Lucas Hedges, and he would have been giving a good performance. But it said it. It's the same year. It's all the same yeah, year. Right, yeah, yeah. It could I mean, it, it, one year uh, earlier, it, it would have been Hedges. Yeah, one yeah, year. Maybe. Yes, that's but I was right. just like, um, He was too busy doing another one of these, and he could have had the right. Yeah, <laughs> working with his dad. Yeah, I forget um, his dad, right? Peter Hedges, baby. Uh, that movie's pretty good. Shut up, Andy. Okay. Uh, I did want to talk about because um, we're talking about the way it looks, and like there is the thing that people say about like Netflix movies looking bad, um, mm-hmm. and they all like have the specific thing. I do think it looks better than Enough Said, which is like you know obviously years earlier, um, and I don't like I, I I don't know specifically like what sort of cameras you use. I think it really. Uh, you know, captures the sort of gray of like New England well, and like I don't know, maybe it's just LA is like not a yes. I do kind of think that's what it is. LA is just ugly. Nah, yeah, I do think she is nice. shooting it a little like more melancholy and giving a little like a couple longer shots. I think there is like a different. I think there is a difference maybe. in approach. Like enough said, it's just sitcommy and it looks that way. And I really like I really like New Girl, so I really I like. I, even despite like also realizing like maybe that isn't like the most amazing like unique way for a movie to look it's like it's effective and i and i enjoy it but like yeah yes, land of steady yeah. habits is doing a different thing and i enjoy like how it looks yeah I, um and so this was it was a netflix production right like they they like they didn't buy it out of out of the festival obviously yeah. no yeah it was good because it, it was, was premiered that week or whatever um yeah that yeah. was the year that like 
because it was the thing <laughs> with Roma where they were like, there's a new Netflix logo. Like, at Tiff, everyone was like, you're not going to bit your fucking socks are going to be blown off when you see the new Netflix logo yes. in front of 22 July. <laughs> and everyone was like, yeah, I guess so. Like, there's a new Netflix yeah, logo. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, but and that was like, obviously after, like, 2017 can where people were actively booing the Netflix yes. logo, which is why they changed right. it. Well, yeah, and yes. people, like, they did the traditional at Tiff. Yeah. Because yeah, um, yeah. that's, that's, like, the crazy thing of, like, I, f- I could be, like, just wrong and misremembering, but, like, this is, like, I feel like the year that Netflix as, like, you know, we don't usually talk about it this much, but, like, as, like, an Oscars contender, like, they were, like, they were, going like all, all over the place. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is the big year, because, like, Mudbound was, like, kind of a thing. Yeah, that was the before. only one that, uh, 2017, and they had, like, stuff yeah. at Cannes, they had Okja, obviously, and Meyerowitz Stories, and those get, like, yeah. Yeah, like, Meyerowitz get some stuff, uh. Uh, not really. But uh, this year, it's like Roma. Um, you know, they they have the fucking Orson Welles. They have Other Side yeah, of the Wind. Buster Scruggs. Like, yeah. Coen Buster Scruggs. Yeah, that at, gets a screenplay nomination. Yeah, at, at New York. Um, and then, they, like, at TIFF, they had Outlaw King. Private Life was um, at TIFF or no? Private no. Life was not at TIFF. No, yeah. Private Life and uh, Buster Scruggs both, right. both skipped TIFF and then did right. New York. Which... I mean, we've talked about Private Life before. I think one of the best movies of that decade. Yeah, that's a perfect incredible. movie. Um, yeah. And then, like, it's just, it's like, this was one of the ones that just sort of, like, falls through the cracks. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Hold the Dark or whatever. Like, right. remember Hold the Dark? I mean, Private Life kind of also fell through the cracks of the right. time. In the same, has, like, in a similar way, been, I feel like, yeah. I mean, not to the extent that this did, yeah. like, people liked Private Life, yeah. but, like, well, yeah, that's it the thing. It's like the reception yeah. of this, which is just mind-boggling to me, is like primarily like, like you could say mixed, but like mixed leaning negative primarily, and it like yeah, really. Yeah. Is I do understand. I don't find it like I the drug kids stuff mostly works for me, but I understand people being. I, I think it's like more like yeah. Again, it's like people just being like, this is nothing. This is just like sort of half a movie, and I think like you can sort of see that, but like. It's, like, very internal for the Mendelssohn thing, and it's, like... I, I can understand mm-hmm. why, at first blush, people would respond to it, but I do think it is better than that. I think it's good. Yeah, I mean, like, I feel like the comment was, like, it's, like, another, like, is this asshole guy gonna, like, get it all together, like, figure it all out, or whatever, that people were, like, tired of seeing those, and, like, they were... I think Especially because like, Nahal so doesn't really do those, typically, and so they were, like, why did she make one of those? Yeah. Uh... It's like, which is, I think it's kind of, yeah, I agree that that's a silly way to look at it. Uh, yeah, I, I do think that is very reductive of, of what the movie is. And people I don't, will, I don't, I don't, come I, around after I don't know if it's, fu- I don't know if it's fully reductive. I think it, that is reductive is not yeah. the word that I would use. I think it's more just like it's a. Movie it, I think it is doing. Yeah, that it is doing that in a more way. interesting, like well, better rounded way. I gotta say, another reason why I can't fully love it. Not enough Connie Britton. What happened to my yeah. girl? They give her the short show. She's really good in it too, and like, like is yeah. like ha- goes big a couple times. Her line, um, "Are you are are you in my bed making fun of my book? You're mean." That's so <laughs> is like so. Yeah, good. which is just like you're mean, <laughs> which is like the first and time anyone like, in a yeah, hall center calls like, someone out. Is yeah, like yeah, I so am. good. Yeah, 
Yeah, you're mean. I, I yeah, that's a, such right, a great that's line. Great. And she delivers um, it. I like how that character. I like the way that that character is kind of sparingly used. I mean, that's just the whole thing. I feel like it, I keep coming back to it. Just like of Hall Center, it's like everything is so, like. <laughs> nebulous like it's just like real life it's like you know he just runs into this person and like they he sees you at the grocery store and they like have a they exchange like phone numbers and words and are like yeah let's hang out again and then like yeah that's another good bit where she's like okay y'all give you my number but don't text me and then he's like all right i'll text you later <laughs> it's really it's it's, it's really yeah. fun it's not like real Honestly. life because then i would be married to connie Britton right now yeah <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think that's right. everything I gotta say. It's, it was a good collection of movies. Yeah, yeah. I hope oh, we do the yeah. other three sometime. And we a hundred percent should. So. They're the three. I mean, with the exception of Land of Steady Habits, which is her second best, bookending her her filmography with masterpieces. Uh, the other two are so great. Friends with Money is so funny. <laughs> Scott Con. Oh my god, key. he's so funny. <laughs> He's so stupid. Yeah, Friends with Money is, like, the one I'm most curious about. Because, like, oh, that's a real interesting group of people it's, to be doing a Nicole Hollis. I mean, yeah. It's, like, everyone's so good at it. There's a... I mean, we don't need to go into it. There's a bit where Catherine Keener is, like, with Frances McDormand as she's, like, complaining about something. And Keener just, like, ah, yeah. Like, just <laughs> flabbergasted, like, agreeing with her. It's so funny. Um, and Please Give is so good, too. Um, but yeah, yeah. Let's end the episode. <laughs> All right. Uh, Kat, thank you so much yes. for being oh, thank here. Thank you for Do having you, me. Would you like to plug in? Absolutely not. Great. <laughs> Great. People what don't do know this. Mean? I'll say it, though. It doesn't have to be anything about yourself. It can be something <laughs> that you like. Oh, a in movie. that case, can I plug the sequel yeah. to Goon? <laughs> sure. Was it Last of the Enforcers? Oh, exactly. That's the Sean right, William Scott I... vehicle? Yeah, right. I've never seen it. Oh, I would Google call it one. a Liev Schreiber vehicle. Okay, alright. Wow. <laughs> From Walking and Talking. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I may be more interested in a Sean William Scott vehicle than a Liev Schreiber vehicle. Watch you in one of them. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, he's in yeah, both of them. <laughs> it's his franchise. Uh, yeah. Alright, well, you can follow us on Twitter at can i kick it or on letterbox at c-i-k-i pod you can follow me on either of those platforms at jp glick weber weber has two b's and i simply have to plug uh trey anastasio is back this weekend he did a run of three shows at the uh, saratoga performing arts center uh, they were billed as solo acoustic shows, but he does have a number. He has several guests show up. Uh, they're really incredible shows. Uh, and I am going to go see him at the Beacon Theater on Wednesday. Uh, I'm really excited. That would that would be this past Wednesday as this was released, or this coming Wednesday as this is released? Yeah, two days okay. ago. <laughs> Say hi if you saw me. I'm happy you did that. Yes. Um, I'm next, right? I'm Andy. You can find me online at Andy T. Germ on whichever social media platform you prefer. Uh, uh, plugs. Oh, I finished uh, Hacks on HBO Max, which I do think is uh, worth a watch. Everyone's talking about it, so I'm not like yeah. original or anything, but it's, uh, it's a good sure. smart vehicle. What more could you want? Yeah. 
how's uh how much how mu- I've, I, I've been unable to tell how much is megan stalter in it which one is she i don't Wait, know no we colin uh, sorry yeah that's all uh, i got uh no andy still has to plug the coffee oh right yes if you like what we're doing uh check out our coffee ko-fi.com slash uh uh can i c-a-n-n-e-s-i um oh is she the i think she's the assistant kayla uh she's uh like the comedic scene stealer of the show she's in it like she's in like half the episodes but like it's a really funny thing every episode um anything Uh, you want to donate to us at that coffee that i mentioned uh is greatly appreciated uh cullen yeah Mm -hmm. uh yeah clatchley on everything c-l-a-t-c-h-l-e-y and i was going to plug walking and talking but i think i did that last week uh, so I just mm-hmm. I had my triumphant return to the movie theater yesterday and saw Jerry Maguire in a theater <laughs> with one other person who was like 15 rows away from me. But God, what a masterpiece! Perfect movie. Watch Aloha also. <laughs> oh, I do have one more thing also, which is that uh, I'm sorry. Last week, uh, as you're listening, my episode of Ain't Day Boots came out on uh, the Bob Fosse film Sweet Charity with our friend Jack. Uh, do check that out. I'm very proud of uh, that conversation. And is it possible that we could all be united on that podcast? Who knows? We certainly shouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody Amelia. once told me that we were. Um, you can <laughs> not follow me on anywhere. Uh, I'm not worth following. <laughs> Great plug. <laughs> but uh, That would have been my plug to not follow Emilio. <laughs> I mean, points were made, but I do have a plug. I'm gonna plug the song "Part of Your World" from The Little Mermaid. Let's go! I, I'm it's, you know, people need to hear about this film. I, I had have heard the song before, and I was always like, "Yeah, sure, whatever. That's like a Disney song. It's like whatever. I don't really care." And then I actually watched The Little Mermaid for the first time, and I was like, "Oh, this song is incredible. This what a." What a good yeah. piece of filmmaking this is. So shout out to part of this world. <laughs> get, ready for us. get ready for more Little Mermaid talk next week. So mad I have to watch It's that. so good. Oh and Beauty and the Beast. Oh, what a pair well, of masterpieces. Quite good. Take the good with the bad. Yeah. Our theme song is by Tree Related. You can find them at soundcloud.com slash Tree Related. Or search Tree Related on Spotify. That is all. Have a good day, everybody. All right. Go ahead and release our audience. Bye. Bye. Goodbye.